for people who don't know your parents, right, in and out, in and out of jail, would you yeah. do you feel comfortable talking about that? Because I feel like I know part of that story, but I don't know that story. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot happened as a kid. You know, mom was young, had me young. You know, she was still kind of living her life. A lot of times it was kind of like, you know, kind of like guys that get her in trouble and stuff like that. And so it wasn't so much that she would do bad things, just kind of be in the bad spot. And so, you know, being young, these things happen, you know, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, which was cool with me. Grandparents was pretty cool. Uh, Grandpa's a heck of a guy. He always had uh, appreciation services every year for church and stuff. You know, everybody loves him. Grandma, she's fantastic. They call her Mrs. America in the family. <laughs> she's a person to, to be around. And then, um, you know, you had mom and dad, you know, it's like uh, dad wasn't there. Dad's been locked up my whole life pretty much. And then uh, mom, you know, in and out, so to say, so to speak. Yeah. But when boy, when mom, um, things were fun, you know, mom's always been pretty fun. So like, yeah. You What's know, the relationship with your dad? Did you ever have one? Yeah, I have actually have one. The older I get, the uh, the better it is. You know, and it's oh, like, wow. um, my dad's different, you know, but he's pretty cool. You know, yeah. as you can say. It wouldn't be somebody everybody wants to say claim, but for me, on the other hand, I enjoy it. I like who my pops is. I think my, uh, I think besides the bad stuff, I think he's a, a fantastic, fantastic person. And uh, me personally, boy, boy, he's fun to talk to when I get to talk to him. Do you see him? No, honestly, he was going to send me some papers and I was going to go and try and make that happen. But then last year, COVID and everything happened. So right. maybe with the, a little bit back to normal. You know, maybe we could make that happen. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, I was just going to ask, when's the last time you saw him? Um, Boy, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jackie used to take me from my dad's side of the family. And then one day that kind of just stopped happening. So it was like, eh, it is what it is. But it used to be pretty pretty cool. We used to play Uno. haven't played Uno since. You play Uno in the jail? Yeah. 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 With Pops. You're pretty cool. How I wouldn't win. <laughs> wouldn't let you win. How would you um how did your relationship with him improve as you got older and but have not seen him? We talked more. You know, it's like uh when you're young and you got a parent that's locked up, you're always like, uh, why'd they leave me? And it's like they didn't necessarily leave you. My dad did things before I was well ever born that he had to pay for. So, you know, in the midst of paying for those things, I kind of felt like he just wasn't there for me and the more i got older the more i realized i was just being a little selfish shit you know he would have been there had he could you know anytime i ever asked him for something or tried to get something done and he needed to get it done even from being locked up he found a way to make it happen you know it's like yeah uh, i needed new tires for the car he got new tires for the car you know it's like um when i was young i really wanted these shoes he got me the shoes you know it's like every birthday i had a card you know, it's like uh, he always did what he could. So the older I got, the more I just realized, like, you know, he cares. You know, I tried to cuss him out one time in a letter when I was younger. And he yeah. was like, instead of cussing me out back, he was like, I feel where you're coming from. But fix your chicken scratch before you come at me like that. And I was like, hmm, good point. So yeah. he's just always, he's always responded right. So it's like, how can you, how can you be mad at somebody who always responds right? And ultimately being a parent is about passing on knowledge, right? So he showed me how angry I could truly get. And he showed me uh, how calm I could truly be, you know, so didn't have to be here to do that. That's a special person. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, you're grateful for the experience you've had. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, somebody, uh, you know, somebody's got to do something bad so you can know how bad you are. 
you know, he runs in the blood. He's a bad guy. I could be a bad guy. Just trying to choose to be a good one. Yeah. What, um, is there any hope that he gets out at any point? Yeah. Or? Mm, yeah. He keeps, you know, they, they're giving hope. They're giving, you know, we'll see. It'd right. be nice. Right. Uh, have you, have you thought to- about what that might be like? Yeah. Old school, fast cars, shopping at the mall, playing dominoes. Uh, he's not that great at chess from what he tells me, but he could be just being modest, some chess games, watching TV. Um, he says his knees are old, but I doubt they're that old. A little bit of basketball. I mean, you know, everything everything a kid would ever desire with his dad. We're going right. to do that. We got a couple dollars. We can make it happen. And he knows, I mean, obviously he knows who you are and he knows that relationship is is obviously in a good place. Does he watch you fight? Does he have that opportunity? Sometimes when they rerun it and they rerun it on a good channel, he gets the opportunity to do that. You know, yeah. sometimes those fights and you and you get those weird opportunities where they get to catch it and they get to air it. Yeah, he gets those opportunities. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been a couple of times where he got to search online probably and see a couple of things. And I'm pretty sure it was super slow and skipped every second it could. <laughs> you know, for the most part. No, nah, not really. You know, yeah. not like I like to do it, you know. Right. It's personal. It's not like he gets to go to practices and see games. So yeah, right. Maybe one day. Has it, have you thought, I mean, you just mentioned all the things that you'd love to do. Um, if he gets out, have you thought of, man, what if I'm making that walk in the UFC and he's in the arena or in my corner, as it were, have you thought that far or anything like that? Or he would never be in my corner. <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah. You'd separate that. Yeah. yeah. If he's in the arena, that's cool, but I don't really care who's there. You know, right. it's like, People there, awesome. There's nobody there, awesome. Yeah. I stand across from me, and I got the potential to do really, really good things or bad things to them. Yeah. That's what I do. You know. And if they get to do it to me, kudos. I like that too. You know? right. I love fighting. So, no, nah, nobody has to be there. Right. But it'd be, it'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, that would be, you know, it's just quite a story. I mean, obviously, from the TV world, we always think about how we can tell a great story and try to put it in perspective, and it's it's kind of a weird thing because you don't want to be like, Oh, wouldn't this be great that it would happen so that we could capture it? Like that seems selfish and in the wrong place, but it inspires a lot of people when that sort of stuff happens. Yeah. So from a business and an inspirational standpoint, definitely, you know, it's like that would be the, that would be a a magical dream come true story. Maybe even fighting. Oh, you know, right. Exactly. That would be wonderful. You know, that would speak volume to people. For me, it's like, I try to stay realistic. You never know what's going to happen. Right. If it happens, cherry on top. If it doesn't, you know, I'm still going to have my ice cream with some whipped cream on top. <laughs> yeah. If you, I mean, it, it is one of those things. If you chase those expectations and you're always kind of trying to measure up to what would this be like, then you're never going to be happy. And that's for anybody that knows you, that's, that's not the style that you like to live your life by, you know, I like to have fun. I do yeah. have fun every <laughs> so um one more thing on like your parents like how did it affect them being largely absent how did it affect who you became as a person uh i don't know i mean that's a good question you know because I, I don't i don't know how life would have been if it wasn't this way that's right you know? yeah it's like um one thing's for sure it's like uh i probably wouldn't be fighting you know, had they not been absent, I probably wouldn't be a fighter. I probably would have did basketball. Or I probably would have played football or I probably would have did something different. You know, I, I probably would have, you know, took up a different passion. I probably would have found a different passion. Had my dad not been who my dad was, I probably wouldn't be as aggressive as I am. You know, 
had my mom not been who she was, I probably wouldn't be as slick as the tongue at the tongue as I am, you know? So at the end of the day, if we're talking about a good story for everybody else as well, and a good story for myself, it's kind of good. Everything happened the way it did because yeah. I have the killer instinct that we want for a fighter. And uh, I have the slick mouth that we want for an entertainer. So ultimately they did a great job raising this boy. <laughs> What's the advantage of being an immigrant to succeed? I just feel that I like that when, when, when Joe Rogan talk about like the immigrant mentality, like when I see guys around here, you know, California is beautiful. Like I live in Costa Mesa and I, I hang out with a lot of people around here, like surfers or, you know, just friends. And I'm like, when you grew up in nice places, having nice things, it's hard to like try to work for them. Like I never get what I want when I was a kid, but you know, I get enough. I get enough so I can understand and survive and I appreciate those things. But when I see kids getting everything they want, and that's one thing I try to do with my kids because it's just, if you just ask for something and you get it like magical like that, you will never work for it. So being an immigrant make me appreciate more, make me appreciate more the beauty of the country, make me appreciate more staying in the country and make me appreciate the hard work to win a fight. And then when I win the family, wow, this is, this is like a natural high. This is better than do drugs. This is like, this is it. Like, this is the moment you're like, fuck, like how many guys try to do what I'm doing and I'm doing it. That's a winning life. And seeing my kids good, secure, uh, living a good life is there's, there's that don't have price for me. Like there's no money that can match. Just the joy of my wife when I come home, bringing the bread, seeing my kids, and it's just like, it's you know, it's it's amazing thing of life, you know. Like you know, I I build my own garden at home just to have that to work for my food, and not just for that, but I the way I eat, it's expensive, you know. It's yeah. weird should be should be the the other way, but you know, if you go to to the grocery and then you buy, you know little bit of vegetables it's like 40 bucks i'm like you know what farmer cheese gonna come in hot and i have a sick garden so you know and gardens don't you know gardens are like kids they don't they don't grow alone you right. gotta take care of them every damn day on camp out of camp it's life and that bring a joy to my soul that it's like it's like no other thing you know it's like I, you know, I get a, I wake up, check the kids, take them to school, or my wife, eat my, eat my food, get a little coffee, split a, split light a joint, going back there in my garden and just, just <laughs> work on that thing for like thirty minutes, water the thing, and then after that, and ready to go train, go train, yeah. and, and a lot of things in my house, I, I did it myself with a friend, like I built my deck, I built my front door, and make me appreciate my house even more, you know, right. like, not just like paying somebody to do it because that's easy. Yeah. And when you do it yourself, it's like, okay, makes you appreciate like, you know, learning a little bit of that is great. You know, makes you appreciate more things in life. And when you say that about how does it, how is it to be an immigrant? It's great because you lead with example too. And I'm sure they motivate people to work harder. I, I'm sure people's like, look the guy, 
came from China to California mm -hmm. and is making it happen. That's something that that's something to admire. And I don't that don't make my ego grow. That make my heart grow. That make me feel better about life and just you know just sending a message about everything is everything you want you can get it, but you won't get it just by wishing it. You gotta think about it. You know the law of attraction can be true. The law of attraction won't get you shit if you don't work. So that's something that it's misunderstood sometimes, I believe. And but anything, anything can come through work and just just be nice to people and nice things will come to you. You go all into being a fighter in those early days. Cause some a lot of people will want to be a fighter and then they'll get into it and then they're out. Or they, you know, have an okay record, they keep they get a side job, whatever. What allowed you to push through that oh i had to be willing to be very broke for a good period of time that was what allowed me to push through it um not being okay with not having a nice car not having nice clothes not having cool shoes not having nice jewelry being made fun of for not having nice things and being 20 something years old maybe not having a car running to the gym every day riding a moped to the gym every day living a very even when you're winning fights living a very concealed tight cheap life until uh and that way you don't have those extra stresses and extra bills and extra things to worry about to pull you away from training that's what made it possible i lived on a thousand dollars a month for three years in san diego california wow. and i was working 19 classes a week uh teaching teaching classes so i knew if i knew if i taught 19 classes a week i would be in the gym all day and night because i would yeah. do my two sessions a day plus train in between that teach privates and teach classes and whatnot and i would moped to the gym home and back every day and i lived in a one-bedroom studio with where everything's in one room you know like and i lived there for three years i remember i beat demetrius johnson and won my gtr and drove my gtr back to this casita in the back of someone's house which is six hundred dollars a month my house is worth more than the or my car's worth more than the house in the front and the back yeah you know and it's yeah. like whoa that, Things like that. I didn't pay for the GTR. It was given to me through winning a fight. Mm -hmm. And instead of um, buying, you know, all these nice things, I just stayed. I saved every penny I had so that I could spend all my time just focusing on getting better at fighting. And then eventually, when I got good enough at fighting, that big payday would come. I just had to have faith in that and live very, 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 very cheap and concise until that time happened. That time for me was 2010 when I faced Brian Bowles for my first world title on TV uh, after I faced well, my second world title attempt after I lost a favor. And when I, when I fought him in 2010, I said, okay, I'm going to quit this job. I gave my 19 classes a week up and I went all in and I haven't worked a regular job since until right. well, now I'm on. <laughs> the broadcaster and, is that's a yeah, regular now job. I'm a <laughs> now I'm working a job, but you get my drift. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did it feel like when you got that payday, when it was time to, because that's a grind of a plan, you know? It was, but it was coming together. I knew it would happen. And then when I, when you quit your job to fight for a world title, you say, okay, it's, it's happening. Stay the route, stay the course, Dom. When you win this title, when you beat Brian Bowles, put every penny into the bank and hold on to it. Don't buy a freaking thing. Stay in that house. Don't buy nothing. And what did I buy? Uh, the next the next thing I bought was a Honda Civic. Uh, so I had a car because I didn't have a car. So yeah. that's all I bought. 
I bought a Honda Civic. And then after that, the, I saved every fight purse I had and lived as cheap as physically possible and just put it in the account until I bought my first house. That was my number one goal. Win fights until I saved up enough, enough chunk of change to buy my first house and quit my job. Well, then when those things happen, then you build the new, the, the new yeah. goal. And it's just living very tight and concise until then, because the more bills you have, the less you can train and the more stress you have trying to pay the bills. Yeah. So that's what really, really helped me. Still to this day, I, I get a little uncomfortable talking about it because I think people think I think I'm some bloody movie star, which I certainly don't. I like do it's not. uncomfortable when I say you're an actor. You still don't buy it. A little bit. A little bit. You almost think it's it's disrespectful to the others who are actors like lifelong. No, I I don't think it's that, but it's like I'm trying to break in as an actor. Right. You know what I mean? And and I've got like 14 credits or so and I've done some good stuff, you know, some credible stuff, and I've got some things coming up. But still, I I I still struggle like accepting that label. Right. But to answer your question, so I was it was 2009. It was after the Dan Henderson, no, the Dennis Kang fight. I got knocked off Dan, Dan Henderson, then I beat Dennis Kang. And I was uh, I was at home, and my manager at the time uh, called me up because Tap Out, remember the, the clothing brand, yep. and they, they were making so much money at that time. They were now producing movies. They were doing Tap Out movies. And they were doing this movie called Beatdown. And they sent me an offer, and it was a pretty good, I, I'd never acted before in my life. Didn't know anything about it, right? But I got offered $20,000 to fly out to Austin, Texas, two business class tickets to film a movie. I'm like, well, that sounds like a good laugh to me. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, why so me not? and my mate Jacko, right? I'm like, Jacko, you want to come to Austin? It sounds like a proper laugh. Come on, let's go. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Now, prior to that, you know, because obviously I want to be prepared, I, I sought out an acting coach in Manchester and I went and saw this acting coach and it was not what I expected. And he had me in tears within a few minutes, you know, delving deep into my emotions and things like that. But to answer your question, so we flew out to Austin, Texas and I was terrified. I was up and it was a big part as well. I'm actually on the front cover. I'm like, I, I am the cover Drake Colby with an English accent. Right. But um, that was my character, Drake Colby. But I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I remember the first time I had to walk out on set, you know, in front of all the cameramen. You know, there's like 50 people behind a camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, God, I am out of my comfort zone here. And anyway, I went out there. And slowly but surely, you get used to everybody in the room. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty warm person. I get talking to people. And you get past that nerves. And then I started enjoying myself. And then the role is a lot of fight scenes. And I'm being a badass with a gun and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And, and I really started leaning into it and having a good time. And then at the end of it, the director came over. He said, Mike, he said, I'm telling you, he said, you were fantastic. He said, you were absolutely, he said, if I was you, he said, if you want to pursue this something further, he said, I recommend you do because you've got something. Anyway, I went home and I got booked on a, uh, a soap opera called Hollyoaks. Hollyoaks Late Night. They're on five days a week, but the late night is once a year. They flash a few boobs. They say a couple of swear words. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like a little yeah. more risque. Right, right. Uh, so, so I was uh, brought in as this gangster. Uh, and so, so I, I got another credit and I had some more work on set. And for me, that was more just learning and absorbing as much information as possible. Anyway, I moved out to America. So I'm in Los Angeles. Well, Orange County. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, you know, what, what better place be on earth place. is there to You're be? Right. So I hit up the producers of that movie, because I didn't know where to start on getting yep. a bloody agent. So I hit up the, the, the director, sorry, the, the producer, a guy called Stan Wortlieb, Grindstone Entertainment, I think it is. 
Lovely man. So I send him an email. I haven't spoken to him in years. And he hits me back. Gives me the name of a guy called Aaron Ginsberg, who I just got off the phone with two seconds ago, who's a very, very good friend of mine still to this day. And he's a pretty big player in Hollywood. So as it turns out, he introduced me to a great guy. He got me an agent. He managed me for a while. And, uh, you know, I started going to acting lessons. I went right. to the... Uh, um, oh God, what's his name? I forget the acting school now. Oh, uh, uh, Anthony Mandel School of Acting okay. on uh, on Melrose. Yeah, went there, did a couple of courses. Now I have my own acting coach because right. I go see him and do one-on-ones because when you go to acting schools, there's a lot of lovies, a lot of lardy dars. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, it's not really I could my... I could go to an acting school tomorrow. You, you'd fit in well, right. Brendan. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll give you a funny story. So I was like, I'd gone there and I was like, I just want to work on acting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's yeah. more to it than that. And they do these warm-up exercises. And the first time I was there, we we're on this stage in this mini theater. And there's about 30 of us all doing the class. And we had to line up in a circle. So we all stand next to each other in a circle. And we're all shimmy around like the circles moving around all uh-huh. of us and we have to point at each other one of us has to point at someone and go zip then they point at someone else go zap and they go zop so zip zap zop and whoever gets zopped right you have to run around the outside of the circle as, as everyone else is still shuffling around in a circle and then take your place again then zip and it's going on again right, right? and i'm a middleweight contender of the world right and i'm thinking in my mind if anybody could see me zip zap zopping Right now, I would never live this down. But as I say, that was it's kind of like a warm-up exercise. Right, right. Uh, and, I, and I learned some very, very valuable lessons whilst doing that. Uh, and it's great. I actually want to go back and do another course. But uh, for the most part now, what I do is when I get an audition, I go see my acting coach. Yeah. I work on the scene with him. And then I go try my best uh, and do the audition.